What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Two Smart Dummies Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Marcus. And I'm your host, B. Reed. What's going on, man? Nothing much, man. Chilling. The doctor just told me I'm dying, but I think I can get through another couple of podcasts. Man, that's nice, because it will take me a few weeks to replace you, so... <laughs> um, <laughs> Two-week notice. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that, you know. So if you're listening out there and you think you qualify to talk sports or garbage or bullshit, you can send or hit them with the email. You can send in your resume, too. You don't even check that. I'm not going to even play, because I might get some emails. <laughs> you're right. Your ass be replaced real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Hell, you don't read it. You might be replaced. Uh, uh, shit, you might be right. <laughs> uh, man, what'd you get into this weekend? Watch a little Pro Bowl? Watch some NBA? I did not watch any Pro Bowl, and I feel like my life is ten times better because I didn't do it. But uh did watch some NBA. Have been following NBA real closely. Uh, Anthony Davis news is the biggest thing out. Um Rich Paul, a strong arm in the Pelicans, like the LeBron fashion tends to do. Like, that's my question, man. How long is the NBA going to let LeBron and Rich Paul keep getting away with this, man? It's obvious that it's tampering. It's obvious that LeBron is pulling the strings behind Rich Paul. I mean, it's pretty much his company. How is this even functioning? Now, for our our fans out there who are may, who may not be the biggest NBA fans to know the ins and outs can you explain who rich paul is so rich paul is lebron's best friend who lebron put through college and then subsequently uh got him hired on to whatever agency he was a part of when he first came to the nba so rich paul worked for us uh an agent basically the agent for lebron and he was responsible for like negotiating deals and stuff so he got all the experience after he got the experience lebron took him and then they made their own agency where lebron is not a part of wink 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 he's not a part of because he's still playing and that would be illegal so rich paul is the head of this agency who recruits nba players so they have players like uh, eric bledsoe uh, i don't even know who they're but they got a lot of nba players that he represents as their eight yeah that he represents as their agent which LeBron is not supposed to be attached to it, but he obviously is. He pretty much funded everything for this dude to get all his skills, and it's his best friend. All those barbershop interviews, the little black dude that's with him, that's Rich Paul. Yeah. Um, I mean, so Anthony Davis, or they have, they've already been fined $50,000 for tampering. Um, well, they said it was because they, they went to the media and made the trade public is why they were fined $50,000, but... Yeah, people are pretty pissed off about this, and um, basically, this is the Lake Lakers' chance to get Anthony Davis because if they don't get him now, I'm not so sure they'll be able to get him in the summertime when the Celtics can make a trade for him. Yeah, it's an obvious play. I mean, it's an obvious play. You you put pressure on the Pelicans by going publicly and saying this to try to force a trade because they know that the Celtics can't trade for for them. Um, I don't know all the details. It has something to do with because Kyrie Irving is like a restricted free agent and they traded for him. They can't trade for another player until the offseason. 
Uh, I think so, it's because he's a he's a max player um, who they traded for and signed. Like, yeah, it's something to do with their contract, so they can't have two of those designated players on a team. Um, yeah, it's, and, a, it's a it's a Burr's right thing, like right. because you can sign Kyrie without using cap. So technically, if you traded for Anthony Davis right now, then you could sign him to an extension this summer without using cap. It's cap cap tricks for the CBA, right? But. They know Rich Paul, Anthony Davis, LeBron, everybody knows that the Celtics cannot trade for him at the trade deadline. And the only other team that's really been looking at him is the Lakers. That Because he wants to go to a contender. Going to LeBron always makes you a contender. So it's just a power move, but the, the, but Pelicans, the Pelicans have to be smarter. Yeah, if you're the Pelicans, say, well, that's nice, but we have you for another year and a half, and we'll trade you where we want to. we got to do what's best for our team. Um and Boston offers the best package. So now the only play that he can mo- make is if he really wants to be in LA is say, well, you can trade me to Boston, but I'm not re-signing with them. So are they going to give up all those assets knowing that I won't re-sign? Yeah, and that 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 move's been used what the last two or three times, and it hadn't worked. Paul George tried it. He didn't go to the team he wanted. He didn't go to LA. Uh, Kawhi tried it. Apparently, he wanted to go to L.A. It didn't work with them. Teams, ever since the PG incident, teams are more willing to take that gamble because you can't tell me if the Boston Celtics trade for A.D., I don't care what he says, if you go to that team and Kyrie resigns and you put A.D., Kyrie, and the Celtics have so much talent, whatever's left over, they're going to be a contender in the East. So if they go to the finals, AD is going to say, nah, but I want to go to the West to play with LeBron. I just don't think it's that fascinating to play with LeBron. L.A. is intriguing um, for whatever reasons, you know, Hollywood outside of basketball. But he said he's about winning. And the Celtics have shown that they are a winning organization. Danny Ainge has shown that he's going to do whatever he can to put talent around um, his players. He's probably one of the smartest, if not the smartest GM in the NBA so, of course, if I'm Danny Ainge and I got all these assets, I'll trade for them. Why wouldn't I? Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. So, like I said, if I'm the Pelicans, I wait it out unless, you know, I get a severe overpayment from the Lakers that's going to, you know, require, obviously, Lonzo, Ingram, probably Kuzma, and some picks. But if you're the Lakers, don't you just say, you know what, fuck it. Let's do it. Like, uh, I, I got to do what I can to get this guy. And if I've got LeBron James and Anthony Davis, plus all the cap space that I'm going to have moving forward – I mean, I just ride it out, don't you? Well, I mean, either way it goes, it seems like even in order to trade for Anthony Davis, they're going to have to give a ton just to match Anthony Davis' salary. I mean, you know, if you're not if you're not familiar with like the CBA, in order to make a trade, you have to match the salary of the player coming in on a one-year basis. So Anthony Davis makes $35 million right now. The problem is the Lakers have been saving up cap for this summer. So all those players that you named, they're like under rookie contracts. Maybe Brandon Ingram may not, but that's just a second-year contract if he's in another contract. So you have to give like five players and four picks even match Anthony Davis' salary. And that's before you get into a bidding war with the Celtics. And if they get into a bidding war with the Celtics, they're going to lose. I mean, I guess it's beneficial just to get Anthony Davis there because you'll have cap room in the offseason, but you're pretty much giving up everything for this year. I don't think they make the playoffs with just LeBron and Anthony Davis. Because everybody else, they're gonna have, you're going to have Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Josh Hart, Rondo. I mean, is I that ima- a playoff team? I imagine Rondo will be <laughs> included in that deal if they can trade him. So, you know, because he's probably one of the – Lance Stevenson, you got to get rid of – shed that salary because, like you said, you can't really make it work with all those rookies. I mean, 
it just doesn't financially line up. So I'm curious to see how it goes. I, I think that if you're the Lakers and you're Magic Johnson, everybody's looking at you and saying, well, you missed out on Kawhi, you missed out on Paul George, are you going to strike out a third time? Because, you know, like L.A. is not what it once was, so people aren't, hes- aren't like head over heels to get there. I mean, you know, we've heard this that, yeah, I want to go to the Lakers. I want to go to the Lakers. I want to go to the Lakers, like you said earlier. But once they get in these other systems, it's like, well, if I can win here, I'm cool. I mean, Paul George was cool staying. You know, not everybody wants to be a sidekick. So we'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how this plays out in the next 10 days. Well, I think this whole L.A. thing is overblown. Oh, excuse me. I think the L.A. thing is overblown. It's been overblown over the past, what, like 10 years. They've gotten only gotten one free agent. In that free agent, it was like the greatest player of all time of LeBron. But I would go on the side of that it had nothing to do with the Lakers or L.A. It was just to get his son out there. So it was a family decision. So everybody always says, I think it's an ESPN conspiracy. The Lakers, the Lakers, the Lakers. But none of these players, even in free agency, choose the Lakers. Um, in trades, they teams aren't anxious to trade with the Lakers. It's just... I don't know why it's such a fascination with the Lakers and the Knicks and they don't get anybody. It's more of like these media companies want players to go there. But player, that's not the best situations anymore. It's not 1970 where you have to go to L.A. to be a star. You have to go to New York to be a star. Nowadays, you can be a star anywhere. Your shoe can sell anywhere. You don't have to go to these places to get stardom. So let me ask you this. Obviously, the Lakers are going to be the Lakers regardless of this trade, regardless of anything to do with Anthony Davis. They'll be around. From the Pelican side of the coin, I'm in the mind that if you trade Anthony Davis, you know, no matter who you're getting back because you're not filling up your arena with Anthony Davis on the team, um, what do you do? They, they, they have a controversial owner who really isn't involved. He also owns the Saints, and they've had a general manager who has been – for the most part, pretty bad over the last few years, the last decade, really. Um, and so what do you do? Um, you've lost a top three player. Um, you're not going to attract anyone in free agent because your front office is a mess and players don't want to play there. Is it? Is it this? Are we looking at a relocation possibility to Seattle or Vegas or somewhere like that with them? If, you know, I think it's going to be hard to get the Saints out of New Orleans because the NBA not obviously wants. I mean, not the Saints, the Pelicans. Um, I had another point to make that involved the Saints. But the Pelicans out of New Orleans because the NBA obviously wants the Pelicans. They want a team in New Orleans. They've proven that. Because before, I mean, when Hurricane Katrina happened, the uh, Hornets went to Oklahoma City. And they did way better than the Pelicans had done even before Hurricane Katrina. And NBA still forced them to go back to New Orleans. And then that owner... Um, I can't remember his name, like Shim or Wim or something like George Wim or something like that. He sold the team to the Bensons. Well, Tom Benson died. I don't know if you know that. Yeah. So now it's his wife, Gail Benson, who owns the team. And they have a unique structure because most of those people aren't basketball people. You have Gail Benson, the owner. You have Dale Demps, who you said have been pretty horrible. He was there when they were the Hornets in the Chris Paul trade, even though he didn't have any power over it. But I think but they was, got him from the NFL, didn't they? Dale Dimps? Yeah. I'm not sure. But the whole structure, they got pretty much like a um, a board of directors, and they're pretty much all the people that's involved with the Saints. Um, so the Saints GM, he's the one that kind of makes the final decision for Gail Benson and sends it down to Dale Dimps to what they're going to do. 
So it's going to be really unique situation because this isn't this isn't people that are used to dealing with NBA players. Um, if you know anything about the NBA and the NFL, the NBA caters to their players way more than NFL. The NFL will hold you hostage, drop you. They just really don't show a, show like they care about players. So I'm interested to see how the Pelicans handle this situation because if this was football, I mean, football holds a franchise tag. They'll franchise tag you for three years. They don't care if you're disgruntled. They'll keep you as long as they can get value. And I'm looking for the Pelicans to kind of take that stance. That's why I don't think they'll make a trade before the deadline because you got football people back there. I mean, that could be true. Um, so like I said, but, I'm – go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, but the answer to your question is no, I don't think they're going to sell because because of that ownership group. The ownership group of being with the Saints, they're, they're owning the Pelicans. If they're making money, they're not going to sell. And the, the sad part about it is we think these franchises are losing money, but even bad franchising, bad losing franchises that don't sell out, they still make money because of the revenue sharing. And you got teams like the Warriors about to spend Four hundred million dollars over the salary cap, and they—that's split between all the teams that's under the salary cap. So, it's hard for those teams not to be profitable. Yeah, and that's one of the unfortunate things about the NBA. I mean, you got so many small market teams that people are like, "Well, you know, it's small market team; they can't compete, can't compete." And I disagree. I think that you know, a lot of these places just have terrible management, terrible management, terrible front office, terrible ownership. You look at a team like. Excuse me. You look at, you know, everyone always points to the Spurs, and there, you know, you could say that's an outlier. Yeah. But you look at Milwaukee, they've started to turn around. Detroit in the 2000s really turned it around. I mean, depends on how. Milwaukee was bad until they sold their team to an owner that really loved basketball and was really trying to win. Yep. I mean, so Detroit in the 2000s, you have Cleveland with LeBron, you know, so there are a lot of places that you can point to. That, well, it's, I mean, Charlotte in the 90s, you know, well, it's probably bad. Think about it. Think about the Charlotte Hornets right now. They're a terrible team and have been. And Michael Jordan's not a great owner. He's shown no real, he's shown nothing to say that, wow, at least he's trying. He's a good owner. And you would think that he would, but the Hornets have been awful in every facet of the game from drafting to free agency, to really everything. And I don't think it's that these players don't want to play there. I just think they don't want to play for a terrible front office and terrible ownership. Minnesota's another one. It's funny that Jordan has actually supposedly gotten smart people in there, and then they get there and do so bad. So it has to be a power structure thing, because before Rich Cho got there, he was the guy out in Portland that was making all those moves that looked like he was a you know superstar GM. And then they get to Charlotte, and they just do more of the same. So it, you have to assume that Michael Jordan behind the scenes are, you know, he's pulling he's pulling the strings and not letting these GMs do their job. I mean, you can see him on the court, the way he's yelling at the players and screaming at the slapping players. Slapping them upside the slapping head. Slapping Monk on the back of the head. You know he's actively involved, and he's never shown the instincts to to be able to evaluate talent. Just because you're a talented player don't mean that you can evaluate talent. And he's never shown that he could. But you have teams over the years that we've known haven't been trying to win. Like the Bulls after Jordan, I can't say that they've ever tried to win. He runs that franchise just for profit. You know what I mean? And you can tell by the moves he made. It doesn't look like he's going out of his way to make that a winning squad. If they can, if they can win by drafting, fine. If they can't, fine. 
it doesn't really matter to him. He's more of a White Sox or Cubs. This is White Sox. This is White, White Sox. Sox. Yeah. yeah, he's more of a White Sox fan than he is an NBA fan, and it shows by everything that he does. The Bulls were trashed before Jordan. The same thing with the Knicks after Jordan. Same huh? thing with the Knicks with uh, yeah. James Dolan. I mean, terrible ownership who doesn't really give a shit about you know running the Knicks. He's more interested in being a, a you know in his band and doing other things. I mean, the Knicks he's have a been great terrible. musician though. So he says. Is he? <laughs> Shit. I mean, the the Knicks have been pathetic for, with the exception of a ten year stretch, you know, maybe a six or seven year stretch in the in the nineties. They've been pathetic for the last forty, fifty years. You know, at going back to seventy two. So, you know, the Knicks. And the Clippers have, were pathetic for a long time. You try you you uh, make the own make Donald Sterling sell the team, and voila, they're least. I mean, they've been failing, but they were a lot better than they ever have been. I mean, it's, it's funny. So it's so funny now that I'm really thinking about it. How many teams that, <laughs> I mean, legitimately have bad owners? You look at the Phoenix Suns in a market where people really want to go to and really want to play. Phoenix is a nice place. You know, a lot of play, players live there in the off season, um, but terrible ownership. Minnesota, I mean, while that's not exactly a great place to live in the winter, it's a, overall a great place to be. Terrible ownership. Knicks, terrible ownership. I mean, Charlotte, terrible ownership. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And then you look at these new young owners, with the exception of like a Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban came in and really transformed that franchise. And you look at what happened in Golden State. You look at what happened in Milwaukee. You look at, you know, even like a Mickey Arison down in Miami who is willing to do whatever it takes to win. And Pat Riley, the same, same thing. You look at what happened with the Clippers. Uh, you look at what happened when Jim Buss was running the Lakers versus when Jeannie yeah. Buss took over the Lakers. I mean, Ownership makes a complete difference in the NBA. Yeah, man, it's it's a lot of ego, and it's a lot of you can win in the NBA. It's not as hard as people think to win in the NBA. You just really have to be willing to spend money. And a lot of these owners, that's what I like about what LeBron's done. Um, a lot of times the players didn't know how much power they had, but now with the um, player structure, the players' union structure of LeBron and Chris Paul and all these savvy guys, they know that these owners are making money head over heels. I mean, they used to hide the books and show that they're losing money, and over the past 10 years, they've exposed that. That's why they have the um, the salary floor where you have to spend a certain amount of money because some of these teams weren't even spending enough money to even justify having a team. Right. They weren't trying to win at all. Now they at least have to put in a certain amount of money to reach a salary floor, not just a salary cap. And that's just one of the few things that LeBron has done since he's entered the NBA to make it for the better. But it's still it's still more work to be done because all these bad owners in these bad cities, I mean, I don't just don't know why. New Orleans shouldn't have a team. Orlando shouldn't have a team. Charlotte probably should. I mean, Charlotte probably could be a good good place for basketball if they could just had better ownership but you can't really you can't really get on the i mean me and you both know we we push for like african americans to have ownership of things so it's hard for me to say hey jordan needs to sell the team but he definitely needs to get a better management structure and take his hands off a little bit right i mean yeah i mean you even look at you know my grizzlies who have had success over the you know last decade i think they've made or excuse me, over the last 20 years, I think, you know, since 2004, they've only missed the playoffs twice, and that was last year and what's going to happen this year, um, or three times, whatever the case is. I mean, for the most part, they've been a successful franchise, but even them, they still have terrible management. 
they have you know a terrible front office, an owner who really has not been involved, um, and you just it's time for it's time for teams to do better. It really is because which will transition into something here. The NBA is growing in popularity, and the reason I mean you and I have talked about this on this podcast many times, but think about this: when we were growing up, the two weeks before the Super Bowl. Did you hear anything about the NBA? It was all Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, NFL, NFL. I mean, they were drumming up shit from the 70s to talk about in the Super Bowl. (laughs) And now it's Super Bowl week, and the NBA is dominating the headlines, and people are watching the games, and people want to know where Anthony Davis is going. I, I haven't heard a ton about the NFL other than, you know, yeah, the Rams Patriots are playing. We'll see you Sunday, basically. Yeah, it's not a lot of energy. Um, I don't think there's a lot of energy this year for the Super Bowl. Um, a lot of that is because you have Tom Brady back there again. At some point, you know, we love dynasties. We want to see them fail. But your energy kind of goes with how much of a chance you think that team has to beat them. I think there was a lot more energy last year. The Eagles were a lot more exciting team than the Rams. Because the Rams play on the West Coast, I don't think there's a lot of people that are super excited about the Rams. Don't get me wrong. The Rams are a good team. They're exciting to watch when they're full of health. But I don't think the overall nation is excited about seeing the Rams play the Pats. It kind of has the feel of like when Carolina Panthers played the Pats a while back in like 2004 or something. You know what I mean? It's not doesn't feel like there's a lot of excitement in that game. Yeah. Um and with that said, I mean, everyone's going to watch the Super Bowl. There's no one that's going to turn it off. There's no one that's going to say, um, I mean, the Super, I mean, the Pro Bowl, which neither of us watched and which majority of people didn't watch, still got 8 million viewers, which is probably more than most TV shows and sporting events get. I mean, a bad week in the NFL is still a great week viewings-wise in the NFL. Yeah, that's probably more than most NBA games by a lot. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, by, by a ton. But, I mean, we spent a lot of time on banging on the NBA. And, you know, trade deadline's close. I've been hearing a lot of stuff about um, Kyrie Irving not resigning with the Celtics. What do you think about that situation? Um, I don't see a reason that they would trade Kyrie right now. I mean, you know, even if he doesn't resign like we talked about earlier, they're still in great shape. Um, well, there's a lot of energy talking about that the that all this manipulation with Anthony Davis and Kyrie is to get the dynasty of Kyrie, LeBron, and Anthony Davis out in L.A. You yeah. Know, Kyrie's a free agent. The only wild card is really can they get Anthony Davis there in the offseason. Yeah, I've heard that rumor as well. Um, I don't know what to make of all of that. I mean, you know, as we talked about, the Pelicans kind of hold the cards. The Celtics hold a lot more cards. I, you know, people have been talking about going to – hit Kyrie going to Brooklyn I think that what Kevin Durant does has a lot to do with what's going to happen to free agency um because if he resigns with Golden State then whatever but if he goes to the Knicks like people have been talking about I think that's a difference maker for both Anthony Davis and um Kyrie Irving yeah I mean it'd be interesting I think if they if they match up together that would be that would be an awesome team that they would put on the court I still just don't know how much you can put around that once you get them. Because even though you have LeBron and you have two max contracts, 
I mean, what's the fit? Like, what what are the role players? The role players make a big difference, and I know it's been proven that you can get players to come out there and be role players for a little bit of nothing, the Andre Iguodala's and the things of that nature. But it takes kind of two or three years. Like, we look at Golden State now, and they're just adding players, and you're like, man. But that was over time. That first Golden State team wasn't nearly as good as this Golden State team. So it would take like two or three years for them to get the proper role players that they would need to even compete with Golden State. And while they're doing that, you still got teams like Denver. You got Houston, who could always sign one free agent and be back in the mix. You know, Maury is always looking at making a splash. Um, Golden State is still Golden State if KD resigns. So that two or three years, you're you're wasting LeBron's prime years in trying to build that dynasty. So I just don't know how relevant that is. And even to get Anthony Davis, like I said, you're gonna they're asking for Alonzo, Kuzma, um, Brandon Ingram, and like two or three first. You're gonna milk the whale dry just to build this dynasty. And I don't know if that wins in the NBA anymore. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, like I said, I, I I don't know what to expect here. The one thing about the coverage that you're getting from, you know, a lot of these teams or players individually is no one knows shit. I mean, at the end of the day, these players are still under contract. Danny Ainge is still a wild card, and the Pelicans hold more power than Anthony Davis does. And, you know, as you said earlier, teams have not been willing to trade with the Lakers. So, you know, it sounds great. Sounds good, but the Lakers really, unless, like you said, they are willing to really dump half their team and, and you know, really go for it. I mean, I, I just don't see it happening for them because people don't give a shit about the Lakers like they did. You know? Yeah, and I, I, I love Greg Popovich as he's pushing the Pelicans and their management not to trade to the Lakers. I mean, he has genuine hate for the lakers <laughs> so, as well he should yeah, yeah. I, I agree i like that i like that don't send don't help them out make them work for it even if you have to send i don't care if Kawhi goes but i'm not gonna send Kawhi there that's how the pelicans should think because they're in the same division which is weird uh you, you can't send anthony davis to the lakers i mean just on principality you can't send them and if the Celtics come and they get close to whatever the lakers package is because you need draft picks more than you need players it's good to have those young players but those young players have been on the Lakers, and they haven't transformed the Lakers. So why would you want them on the Pelicans? I mean, the Pelicans still in the Western Conference. It's not like those players are going to the East. So if they didn't help the Lakers, how are they going to help the Pelicans? And they're probably not going to re-sign on top of that. So, I mean, I, I would go more for picks. I would definitely do a trade with the Celtics. It seems like the Celtics have more to offer just because they have better draft picks, more draft picks. And then the players that they that you get from the Celtics will probably be there longer than the Lakers players. Well, and that's the key. With the exception of like a Lonzo Ball, who excuse me, they can they'd be able to control well, I mean, you think about that though. They can control these these dudes for another, you know, three to four years. Um, and Lonzo, Ingram, and Kuzma, that's not exactly a bad, you know, starting point. I mean, I think they'll have to trade Ingram Drew Holiday. has to be at the end of his career because he was drafted before Lonzo. Yeah, but so the year before he, Lonzo. Yeah, so you only got probably another year of Ingram, and then you have two of Kuzma and um, Lonzo. But even with Kuzma, it depends because he was a free agent signing. He wasn't even a draft pick, so holding his right. No, they, those... they got him at the end of the first round. Oh, they did? Yeah. Kyle Kuzma? Uh-huh. Uh, well, yeah, so they were they got that pick from Brooklyn. I got you. So they would control him for another two years and then Ingram for a year. 
But so you trade your superstar for a bunch of players that you would only have for two years because I don't see a lot of them re-signing because they're all going to have value. Lonzo already said he doesn't want to play for the Pelicans. Maybe you keep Ingram, Kuzma maybe, and then a bunch of – because if you get those picks and you see an AD there, what is the draft picks going to be worth? <laughs> I mean, you now you're getting the Lakers draft picks where they're picking in the 30s, 20s, late 20s. If if you're New Orleans, why not just re-sign um... – uh, Boogie Cousins last year, all this could have been avoided. I don't think Anthony Davis would have left or wanted to leave because you got him, Drew Holiday, and Boogie Cousins. I mean, that's a that's a hell of a team. That's a hell of a start. And they put some nice pieces around with Miritich, with um, homeboy that plays every other day, um, <laughs> Etwan Moore. You look at Darius Miller. You look at, you know, a lot of the play- uh, Jaleel Okafor, who's really come on as of late. You really start to, you know, Look around. That's not the worst team ever. I mean, and you've but got three Boogie's, really good with players. Boogie's Achilles injury that made it tough because, as you can see, but what do you Boogie have to lose? I mean, but you would have been in the same situation, and then Boogie would have came back to a team that's out of the playoffs. So, and then another thing is, you know, there's a, a little beef between AD and Boogie because AD pushed to get Julius Randle in there. Signing Julius Randle pretty much pushed out uh, Boogie. So that's that's one of the things I have a problem with these players. The players commit. I mean, you tell Drew Holiday to sign. Drew Holiday goes and sign a five-year deal because of AD. He goes and he talks to Julius Randle, get Julius Randle to come, and then they don't win. He's like, you know what? I'm out of here. You know, then Drew Holiday's like, well, shit. Most of the reason, 90% of the reason I signed is because AD. Right. And that's the same thing that happened with Baron Davis a long time ago with the Clippers. He came to the Clippers because Elton Brand, and Elton Brand said, peace out, and went to the Sixers. <laughs> you know what I mean? So... It's hard to even, as players, it's hard to even trust other players that you're linking up with because once you get locked into a contract, then they can do whatever they want. So I, I've seen that the Pelicans are kind of having a fire sale with everybody. Um, there's a lot of people that would take a Drew Holiday, but Drew Holiday's contract is massive. So yeah, what it's going to be hard to move to? That, that, that contract for sure. And it's fresh, too. It's like five years, $130 million or something. It's mm-hmm. like the Mike Conley deal. That's why you're seeing a lot more people asking about Gasol because, at worst, Gasol is on a one-year, $25 million contract and then a free agent. As far as Mike Conley, what, he still got like three you years? Calling, did you call him Pal Gasol? Did I? I Man. thought you did. Don't disrespect Mark like that. Uh, he's I know because he would never be as good as Pal. Still a <laughs> Hall of Famer, a, though. A two-time champion. Well, that's fine. I'm not saying it. I'm just saying you better get that man's name right. Defensive player of the year, grit and grind, anchor. Don't make mm. me come through this microphone, man. I'm going to get upset. Mm. I, hope the, I hope the Heat give you Hassan Whiteside straight up for him. God. <laughs> Ruin your whole franchise. Oh, that sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Might be the best deal on the market. Shit, I'd let him walk for nothing over Hassan Whiteside. No, thank you. Um. All right, man, kind of a short show today. Do we want to touch on the NFL a little bit? There's really, guys out there, there's not a lot going on. Um, NBA is kind of in their, their, you know, their stretch. We're about to hit the All-Star game. We've got about seven games left before the All-Star break. Um, and then it's playoff stretch. So that's what we got right now. Yeah, we didn't want to bog you down with a lot of Super Bowl talk because you're going to hear that all week. But we can do some predictions. I think we already did it last week. But anything change over the week? Who you got? <clears throat> Actually, I just remembered there is something I want to talk about. Oh, hold on. Before you before you say that, just got an alert. 
that Alabama's about to hire Mike Stoops. Do you know how mad I'm going to be if Alabama's defense is like a top five defense with Mike Stoops? <laughs> yeah. That's, wow. Um, that's nice. Listen, I do have something <laughs> to say about the NFL. Stephen A. Smith better shut his damn mouth, okay? Him, Max Kellerman talking shit about Derek Carr, who maybe be a, he might be a baby back bitch, but damn it, he's our baby back bitch. So I don't know if you guys have been uh, following along with this story, but Max Kellerman and and um, Stephen A. Smith decided on first take that they were just going to take a shit on the Raiders one day. <laughs> I mean, and call out Derek Carr for being a biatch and all this kind of stuff. Um, and Derek don't you Car- shit on the deck? Don't you shit on Derek Carr regularly? But I'm a Raiders fan. I can do that. Okay, because I, I don't know think that's how it works. I know them clowns don't watch Raiders games. Stephen A. Smith don't watch shit. He still think that Dane Thomason run around in the league. So I know he don't watch him. But I mean, he talks to he talks to Raiders fan, and they probably send the same things you are. So nah, it's not I like it's it. a hot take. So he's mad because uh, homeboy, the new GM for the Raiders, Mike Mayock, you know, got a GM job without you know so called paying his dues, and a brother would never be given the opportunity, which in fact is true. Uh, but. You know, so he's got he's got his beef with the Raiders for some reason, but Derek Carr came back and responded, and <laughs> and Derek Carr, you know, he's not exactly the the, the brightest individual out there, but he <laughs> he challenged both of them to a uh, a cage fight or a UFC fight, and uh, shit just got off the rails real fast. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like it. once you go for criticizing a quarterback to a UFC cage fight with uh, commentators or broadcasters, a little sensitive, buddy. So it might have touched the nerve. A little bit, but you—that's what I'm saying. You don't have validation for even saying that because you—you talk about Derek Carr all the time. Yeah, but again, I am a Raiders fan. I have the right to criticize Derek Carr. Now, Derek Carr quietly put together a halfway decent season, one of the best of his career. But the Raiders were so bad that um, you know you don't you don't have to tell me. I've been I've been defending Derek Carr same way I defend Blake Bortles. Same way I defend Dak Prescott. Not because I like any of these quarterbacks. Just because I know it's hard to find a decent quarterback in the NFL. Not all these quarterbacks are going to be great. You, you have a few great quarterbacks every decade or a couple of decades. But other than that, you're just looking for a qualified starter that's not going to kill you. And I don't think Derek Carr kills you when you have legitimate weapons. I don't think you guys had great weapons this year. Jared Cook was probably your best receiver. Yeah, you had Jordy, but Jordy's old. He didn't really even get it done consistently with Aaron Rodgers, who is considered a great quarterback. So how can you put that on Derek Carr? Same way with Dak. He didn't have any weapons. Blake Bortles really doesn't have any weapons. He was a lot better with Allen Robinson than he was with D.D. Westbrook. Just saying, man. Well, anyway, I just want to throw that out there, but that's all I got. Nobody cares about the Raiders. Who do you have in the Super Bowl, man? Oh, um, <laughs> oh, Patriots. Any what 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 could the Rams do to beat the Patriots? Be better than the Patriots. I mean, oh, the, thanks for the hardcore <laughs> analysis. The, man. the Patriots have been here before. You know, I just man, I don't know. I think that the Rams have more talent than the Patriots, but I also think that as far as a coaching. Uh, from a coaching standpoint, from a quarterback standpoint, from a players who just know what the hell they're doing, which matters, experience matters. I, 
it's hard for me to pick against them right now. It just really is. And they're pissed off. They lost the Super Bowl last year. Um, do I think it's going to be a blowout? No. But I do think that, it, as you know, is the Patriots' way, it'll come down to a field goal. And if it's a, a, a tie game, you know, going with two minutes left or less left, you're not going to convince me that the Rams are going to beat them in that kind of game. Man, I think I'm going to switch. I think I'm going to go with the Rams. And the reason I'm going to go with the Rams is because if you look at the last probably three Super Bowls, the Patriots have been vulnerable, and it's just been bad coaching. Last year, they lost to the Eagles, although it was in a shootout, and Nick Foles magic, they lost to the Eagles. Um, The year before that, uh, was that the Rams? Not the Rams, that was the Falcons, right? Yes. Where the Falcons had them beat, and then they just gave it up. Then the year before that, when they went to the Super Bowl, I mean, maybe it wasn't you know consistent, but whenever the year they went to the Super Bowl against Seattle, the same thing. The Seattle had them beat, and then didn't run the ball with Marshawn Lynch. Yeah, so, but I mean, Sean Payton or not Sean Payton, uh, Sean McVay is known to get cute at times, and I mean, we'll see. Like you get too big for the moment, all of a sudden you start doing things that are uncharacteristic of. You know how you usually roll, and it gets you beat. <laughs> I mean, it has. I'm going. I'm going to Rams by seven, hoping that Todd Gurley is healthy and Sean McVay doesn't really think that C.J. Anderson is a better fit for the offense, like I read earlier. Yeah, I, well, I hope that just wasn't true at all. <laughs> I mean, because I have eyeballs, so you know. yeah, I, I've seen an offensive player of the year, and I've seen. C.J. Anderson. Yeah, so there's a reason he's been on three teams this year, but you know, hell, I, I seen C. I seen Todd Gurley with a bad knee in the last game look better running for a touchdown than C.J. Anderson. C.J. Anderson looked all game. Yeah, so maybe that's just that's just trash, but we'll see. Um, I <coughs> excuse me. I think <clears throat> I think the Patriots are gonna. Man, I've been coughing on this damn podcast for the last month and a half. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if I got some kind of disease but i think i think it's cholera my time might be up um and you can send those emails to <laughs> <laughs> oh that reminds me facebook page is up it's live it's active thank y'all for supporting I, I know about 100 people have uh gone out there and liked it shown us some love um we're gonna post this pod on there today and hope y'all enjoy listening yeah and we promise next week's podcast to be better this pod was great we can't help that the news cycle is slow right now. We can only talk about what is given to us. But luckily, and I didn't want to sit and talk about the Super Bowl for like 45 minutes. I just didn't. I didn't either. I have no interest. Um, <laughs> but next weekend, you got the trade deadline. You got the results. I'm all for talking about the results of the Super Bowl. So you got the results of the Super Bowl, trade deadline, free agency kicking up. So a lot better podcast next week. Hey, still a great podcast, though. So I don't care what you say. Let's see what you say when the mic goes off. (laughs) (laughs) All right, y'all. That's it. That's all. Catch us on Facebook. If you need to email us, maybe you got some questions for the show, some suggestions, send them in to smartdummies2. That's smartdummies, D-U-M-M-I-E-S, number two at gmail.com. Hit us with the Instagram. Two, the number two, smartdummies, D-U-M-M-I-E-S, at at two smartdummies. And then Facebook. more complicated. Facebook is Facebook. Search in the damn bar, you lazy bastards, two smart dummies, and you'll find us. Facebook is Facebook. <laughs> Deep analysis there, man. I don't know why 
I don't know what I'd do without you, man. You know, you'd be one smart dummy. <laughs> <laughs> all right, y'all. That's it. That's all. We'll see y'all next week. Peace. Peace.